0: Welcome to The Drill Down. We've got business stories behind stocks on the move. I'm Corey Johnson with episode number 185 of a special episode. Today, we are going to look at some of the biggest losers of all 2022. And yes, we will look at the company, a company that you know that has lost more in market cap than any company in the history, the entire history of the US markets just this year and then shifting gears entirely, we're gonna look at a company that's doing really well. One retailer preparing for a major expansion in 2023, just right for these times.
1: Five below, the CEO Joel Anderson joins us. But first, it's sponsor time. The drill down is brought to you by ERA. Never miss another critical event or insight ever. With ERA, customize your company watch lists and track key events, mentions, filings, and more, all within an easy-to-use, customizable interface. That's ERA. AIERA dot com. And there are so many ways to listen to the drill down, and we encourage you to
0: do so always, often, everywhere. Just like voting in Chicago. Vote early, vote often. And you can vote on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartTune in. You vote by leaving a review on iTunes is a good place to do that, or click subscribe so you follow us
1: and don't miss a single show. And The Drill Down is brought to you by Braintrust, a global talent network that matches highly skilled technical freelancers with the world's most reputable brands. Braintrust has helped clients like Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Porsche, Under Armour, and more build agile tech teams fast at a fraction of the cost. Visit braintrust.com, that's B-R-A-I-N-T-R-U-S-T.com to learn more.
0: All right, I'm Corey Johnson. Welcome to The Drill Down. We've got the business stories that explain the stock price moves of a handful of publicly traded companies and a very special look at some lovable and not-so-lovable losers today. Speaking of which,
1: he's a winner. He's our executive producer, Isaac Webster, joining me right now. Isaac. Oh, what an introduction. And what a year it's been, uh, 2022. Corey, what stocks are you drilling down on today? Let's start with Vapotherm. VapoTherm trades under Vapo, V-A-P-O, and shares have skyrocketed 267% in the past month. But that's not what we care today. But they're still lower by 87% if you look at a 12-month chart. So what's been yeah, going on? So, this, this is a seesaw. What's going on? No, it's more like a dead cat
0: bounce. Um, uh, as it was that's a huge bounce. So, yes, in January, well, right, if it, if it went from if a stock goes from 1,000 to one and then goes to two, it's up 100% up from one, that's not a huge bounce. Um, in any case, the market cap has gone from 540 million in January, got down to 13 million in Thanksgiving uh, week. Uh, so again, from 540 million to 13 million. Um, well, so what does this company do? Well, they they say they're a global medical technology company focused on patients of all ages, with obstructive pulmonary diseases, heart failure, pneumonia, and yes, COVID nineteen, it is a way to receive some kind of oxygen therapies and other therapies without having to wear a mask. Isaac. Okay. So again, I don't know what to you're say. You're in the that. hospital with COVID. You are so sick and so infectious. They put you in the ICU, and then they say. No mask for you. You don't want to, You don't have to wear no masks required here in the hospital. We'll just stick these things in your nose. So that's what Vapotherm does, makes. Basically, sort of, okay. kind of. Um, now, during COVID, this seemed like a very exciting uh, uh, market for this business. And indeed, any company that could do anything to help with COVID got a little bit of a boost uh, during the pandemic, uh, both in sales and certainly in expectations and hope but in April, on April 7th, this New Hampshire-based company withdrew all the expectations, all the guidance that they had put out there saying they weren't going to hit their numbers, that their breathing equipment for healthcare providers were just not selling like they thought they would, and that indeed COVID slowing down, the diminishing virulence of COVID-19 was going to hurt their sales and, and result in less need for their breathing apparatus. And the stock absolutely plummeted. Sales, uh, for example, not the, forget the stock. The sales that were thirty-five million in the second quarter of twenty twenty were only
1: thirteen million in twenty twenty-two. So sales just so completely this, falling apart for this company. What was this company doing before the pandemic gave it came along and gave it a little lifeline?
0: Uh, same thing. They thought this could be used perhaps for uh, COPD or what does that mean Heart failure, pneumonia. What is COPD? Uh, COPD is uh, Chronic, obstru- some, uh, pr- chronic ob- Obstructive Pulmonary Disease. Okay. Um, that's that's uh, Sometimes people wear those masks at night to help them not snore. Sure. or Fear that it might lead to, they would stop at breathing. Um, in any case, uh, these guys, the sales didn't show up, which is a real problem when you've got a lot of debt. And this company right now is about $100 million in debt, just $28 million in cash, and covenants on that debt that require earnings that it looked like this company wouldn't get, so they've spent much of the year trying to make sure they can hold their um, their maintenance, their, uh, their their listing standards to remain listed on the Nasdaq, trying to renegotiate deals with their debt holders. Um, and when asked about the probability of restructuring that debt early this year, CEO Joe Army was left a little bit uh, hemming, a little bit hawing. Here's Joe Army. Well, I don't think I want to put a, uh, a probability to it, only because, you know, the level of uncertainty around are we going to return to somewhat normal uh, rates in the, you know, normal census rates here in the next three months. But I will tell you that, you know, if there is a bump in the road, it's not going to be a big bump, but it's not going to be a long bump. And, you know, for that, we're not jumping up and down about it. We're taking it seriously. We're communicating effectively.
2: But we also, you know, this is not... This is not something that we view as a a catastrophic situation.
0: Not a catastrophic situation, although they did lose, as you mentioned, about 90% of their market cap. Before a little bit of bounce, hope springs eternal, Isaac. Maybe flu season will save this company where people can go into the hospital with a seriously dangerous and contagious disease,
1: but prefer not to wear a mask. Or maybe they have a beard. So this last month when they've seen this crazy spike, is it because of all the colds and the RSVs and the rise in COVID again? And is that what's going on? Hope springs eternal. Corey, what is your next drill down? I want to look at Enochian Biosciences. Enochian Biosciences trades under ENOB and shares have dropped 22% over the past month and ENOB e- shares are lower by 83% in a year. What is and Biosciences?
0: Well, they've taken a the company from a market cap of $500 million to $73 million in a way that you do not see often that involves a hitman. I'll get to that, but first, Enochian claim to have cures for HIV and COVID and various cancers, which would be good, right, Isaac? Those would be great things. And so if you do wanted to know about this company, we're going to invest in it. You might do something really, um, say, an obscure piece of your research, uh, research, like type the word Enochian into a search engine. Like, let's say Google. Okay. You search for Enochian, you find out that Enochian means is an occult-constructed language said by originators to have been received from angels, according to the private journals of a uh, a scryer in the 16th century
1: who was uh, looking into magical investigations. Oh, wow. So I, this sounds like it derives from the cult of Enoch. Well, I don't know that uh, um, uh, you needed to do a lot more if,
0: if that wasn't a loud enough tell, but uh, let me read from Wall Street the Journal tell, story. The
1: tell goes deep is my point. I'm the not, tell that, goes, not the tell as goes deep, deep as a
0: Google search into the name of the company. Yeah. Uh, here's from the journal um, uh, in this spring. Anokian uh, Biosciences, as sued as co-founder Sirhat Gamruku for contractual fraud, alleging it paid him and his, and his husband $25 million dollars based on scientific data that was altered and fabricated. Also of note... That that co-founder, Gumruku, was in federal custody pending trial after an indictment on charges that he hired a hitman to murder a business associate. He's pled not guilty to those charges. They looked at his data, the company did afterwards, and said that he had handed over um, um, studies that showed that uh, his drug reduced hepatitis B DNA by 99% in mice. In fact, it only reduced it by 25%. But all the excitement... Of a, a magical scribe that could somehow get rid of HIV and cancers and hepatitis B and yes, COVID got a stock up to a five hundred million dollar market cap before completely collapsing. And yes, the company has no uh, no earnings and and uh, is losing money left, right, and center. And the stock price is now under two bucks. Here is an archived clip, and I say archived, uh, um, a research company called Hindenburg Research. Um, uh, unearthed a deleted YouTube video with dramatic background music and an interview with that now jailed co-founder of this company, uh, Mr. Gumruku, talking about his uh, his beliefs that incurable disease doesn't exist. I always believe there's no such thing as an incurable disease. The only thing we can do is to take what we know, all the science that we have so far, and add something that we don't know to what we know. Meaning we have to use our creativity, we have to use our imagination, and we have to look at things from a different perspective than, than the other scientists to, to be able to find things that they weren't able to find so far. So that is what I did in my research for many years and and that's what you Kien know, has inherited when We started developing cures for HIV and and different cancers at Inokin. So, yes, COVID, HIV, different cancers. Why not? Yeah, people bought that stock. They believed it.
1: Corey, what is your next drill down? Well, let's look at the biggest loser,
0: a lovable loser that we all know. Old Tesla.
1: Ah, Tesla. Um, Tesla trades under TSLA, as we probably all know. Everyone listening to this probably knows that. And people probably are aware that uh, Tesla TSLA shares have been on a steady decline over the past 12 months, shedding 52% in the past six months and 69% in a year. So uh, I've always been a huge fan of Tesla, big
0: supporter of their success. And I think the stock price can only go higher or lower. Um, <laughs> That's not really true, is it? That is I not true long, at all. I uh, pointed out some of the things that don't seem to connect in Tesla for, geez, probably a decade now. Um, this company this year has lost more in market cap, about $750 billion, than any company in the history of the U.S. markets, flat out. Yeah. Now, yes, it still has a $344 billion market cap and is trading at 38 times earnings still. But again, that's the largest market cap loss for any company in the history of the U.S. markets. And I want to point out- the growth rate is slowing.
1: I want to point out here, Corey. Yes. uh, You know, full disclosure here, my family, we are Tesla shareholders. No, interesting. Just so you know. I'm sorry to hear that. Putting it out there. Yes, very sorry to hear that. Were you still able to buy uh, Christmas presents for your kids this year? (laughs) Yeah, we were. Or
0: just said- (laughs) tough shit kids get in the car oh you don't have a tesla you just bought the shares
1: yeah we don't own a tesla but we do have shares yeah so just put it out there full disclosure here i want to talk about that for a long time but we will not the audience
0: can't see me crying right now (laughs) okay well here's what's happening for the company whose shares you own isaac thank you for disclosing that the growth rate is slowing they continue to have quality control complaints yeah Production slowdown even today accelerating. Maybe uh, Reuters reporting just today. We're recording the show on the Tuesday after Christmas uh, that they plan to run a reduced production schedule in their Shanghai plant in January. Um, uh, they're going re- uh, to they reduc- reduced output began um, already in December and continuing to the next year. They're going to run just 17 days from January 3rd on in the month of January. Uh, Reuters breaking that exclusive news, of course. Well, you were buying shares. Who were you buying them from, Isaac?
1: Elon Musk. Yeah. Because he was selling them. Yeah. Well, we've, we've owned them for a very long time, so it's not, this is not a recent ownership of shares for us. But yes, well, I, I see your point. Well, the things that Tesla hasn't done,
0: remember in 2019, they announced the Tesla semi, semi was going to be out by 2019? I was at that announcement. Okay, it's still not out. <laughs> I know.
1: Uh, they did announce the, oh, uh,
0: the, uh they have a million <laughs> Tesla taxis out by 2020. How many are out right now? Uh, negative 20? twenty. would be zero. <laughs> uh, the Tesla robot coming in 2022. Now, it is uh, December 27th, so perhaps before the end of the week, the Tesla robot will be out. And the Cybertruck, the the much anticipated Cybertruck coming late 2021. Here we are, late 20. I'm not even call this 20 late 2022.
1: I barely, this is the end of 2022. It's still not out. I barely remember the Cybertruck announcement. Why is it called Cyber Truck? What does that I mean? Cyber truck. It's a virtual truck. It's a, it's a pickup truck. It's a, it's. A, <laughs> but why it's a cyber? Weird or cool looking. Why
0: is cyber truck. in the title? Great question. <sighs> Well, this thing's already a year behind schedule Uh, and it was already when they had their annual meeting in August Um, and uh, investors are hoping at least at the annual meeting, they have some notion of what the pricing, how much is this truck gonna cost? Is it gonna be a $200,000 truck or is it gonna be a $35,000 truck? What's the competition gonna be like? How can we figure out as as investors and and analysts who they're competing against and and how many of these they might sell? Can you give us any pricing data? They asked the CEO, a guy named Elon Musk, um and he said he had a a little bit of bad
2: news uh with uh pricing uh, it it was unveiled in 2019 and the and and the reservation was 99 so you know things have a lot has changed since then Uh, so so the specs and the pricing will be different i you know hate to give a little bit of bad news but I think there's, there's no way to sort of have, haven't anticipated quite the inflation that we've seen and the various issues. Um, but what I can say is that the Cybertruck will be one hell of a product, and it's going to be like a damn fine machine, so yeah, and we're all tracking to be in production um, uh, middle of next year from this factory. So we're installing, we're going to be installing the production equipment, tooling and all, uh, starting in the next couple of months, we'll begin the, uh, the installation, so aiming to be in volume production in the middle of next year. So. Now, what could possibly go wrong in answering this question? <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. All right, right. so uh, um, (laughs) I should just pass. Uh, Well, let me just say that, uh, uh, you know, I I hope for peace and respect.
0: (laughs) So, peace and respect. And uh, what a lovely Christmas message! All the way he said it in August from Elon Musk, saying that he hopes for peace and respect. I I, I wish that for him. I suspect he's getting neither. Well, you get what you, you you reap what you sow, right? So I hear. Everyone's all biblical. You, Elon, Enoch, Enochian. Jam. Yes. Uh, uh, so those are our losers. Next uh, next week we will take a look at some of the biggest winners of the year. And we have a winner and coming up. This is not going to be an there. all
1: depressing show. Isn't that depressing? I think these stories are fascinating. Well, when you talk about Tesla, it gets a little depressing for me. But are you, but our next guest, as I mentioned, hope does spring eternal.
0: But our next guest from a company that's actually doing quite well, very and well, maybe perfectly positioned for these times. Mm-hmm. Retailer Five Below sells cheap stuff. Often stuff under $5. CEO Joel Anderson talks about how to make that business grow, how that business works in these
1: times, and how to grow it profitably. That interview coming up right after this. The Drill Down is brought to you by Brain Trust, a global talent network that matches highly skilled technical freelancers with the world's most reputable brands. Brain Trust is how clients like Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Porsche, Under Armour, and more build agile tech teams fast. At a fraction of the cost, visit Braintrust.com. That's B-R-A-I-N-T-R-U-S-T.com to learn more.
0: Welcome back to the Drill Down Podcast. We are joined right now by CEO Joel Anderson from Five Below. It might feel like Five Below wherever you are, but that's not why they call it Five Below. Joel, they call it Five Below because...
3: Well, we get asked that question quite a bit. And a lot of times people think we are a cold weather store uh, store. But the reality is um, the, the concept was created twenty years ago and it's all about everything being five dollars or less. Hence the name, five below.
0: And you have broken the buck, if you will. You've broken the five buck. You've got some things that are more than five bucks in the stores, but generally that's 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 the consumer value proposition, yes?
3: Yes, um, we did uh, break the $5 price point a few years ago when the tariffs emerged. Um, and so we now have a section in the store called a store within a store that we call five beyond, but the core value of five below remains. And as a matter of fact, anything that is above five, it's still all about value. So we have our five below store and we have our five beyond store.
0: And you guys have been crushing it uh, in this economy and we've seen, uh, you're often compared to and I'll, I'll let you tell me the differences, but you're often compared to a dollar general or a family dollar or um, stores that really do focus on, you know, an Ollie's uh, companies that really focus on, um, uh, you know, every company's going to say value. I'm,
3: I'm trying to find the kind words for it, but customers are looking for cheap stuff. Yeah, look, uh, we we tend to get compared there because of the price points. But I think that's where the similarities end. And for anyone that hasn't been in our store and walked in for the first time, what they would experience is an incredible experience. And so our stores are bright and fun and it's a treasure hunt environment. We are a store of wants where the stores uh, and the companies you just mentioned happen to tend to be a store of needs. So we really focus on just a place you can let go and have fun. So it's, it's a lot about browsing and a treasure hunt.
0: How much of it is about uh, young shoppers?
3: Yeah, we, we like to say we cater to teens and tweens. I mean, that is what we wake up every day focused on. Our merchants is delivering for teens and tweens. But we truly have a, a universal appeal for all. Um, there isn't a person that doesn't walk in that store and put a smile on their face and put something in the basket. But our core customer are teens and tweens, young ones.
0: And uh, it seems that you're also really focused on trends. I think when I first became aware of the company, it was the fidget spinner play. It was a company that saw a 500 basis points increase in same store sales all because of fidget spinners.
3: Yeah, I think fidget spinners was really the first major trend that, you know, people like to talk about. Um, Last year, it was all about poppers. This year, it's all about squishmallows. So, Trends emerge every year, and our job, our buyer's job, is to capture those trends, react quickly, and bring them in the, pro- in the stores. And, you know, our customer now kind of expects to find the hottest, newest trend at Five Below, and that's one of the reasons they come in all the time.
0: In a house of four teenagers, I'm also very much trying to stay on top of trends without sounding like that, Dad. They busted me this week for saying something had a Christmas vibe. Dad, I love it how you say vibe now. But how do you stay on top of these trends? That seems like a really difficult job to do because I can just drop vibe from my language or add it right back. You, you, however, have got to do some uh, substantial planning around the potential emergence of these trends.
3: Yeah, it's a great question. And it's actually easier today than it was in the old days. Um, But we still, you know, good old fashioned communication with the field still works. You know, most trends tend to start on the coast. And so we tend to hear about it from our, our store teams um, by honestly, customers coming in and starting to ask about something. But you know what? Good old Google has uh, made it easier for us to really, you know, see what people are searching on, what they're looking at. And I, I think the secret sauce or the magic at Five Below is we move fast. Um uh, very minimal bureaucracy a buyer's got to go through to decide on a trend that they hear about, purchase it, and we get it in as quick as we can. Um, but between hearing from our customers in the field and, you know, you letting the internet help us, those are two of the biggest ways we stay on top of it.
0: Can I drill down to that a little more? And I yeah. do want to get to the shipping component of your business. Sure. It's so very important, but tell me more about that. Is there a process? Is there a trend team? Is, do you have like 13 knuckleheads in a basement looking at Google trends every day?
3: Yeah. Um, look, we, there is that side of it, but the, the reality is it still comes down to people. And you know, what makes this company so unique is we have eight worlds. And so we're not a toy store. We're not an electronics store. Um, We're not a party store. We're a little bit of everything. And so customers come to expect that we probably carry that, but it it really is our buyers staying close and, and our buyers are sliced very, you know, narrow in terms of what they buy. So they become the experts in those areas. And, you know, a fidget trend buyer and a selfie stick buyer are very different. And those were two different hot trends over the last few years. And it's all because they're an expert in their area. All right. But from your
0: management standpoint, you didn't have a fidget spinner buyer before the fidget spinner trend. Like how do you start to allocate things that don't fit into a category when you are deciding what your staff is supposed to do?
3: Yeah. And you know, one of the changes we made when I, when I took over is buyers used to be incented on how their category did. And we changed that now buyers are incented on how the whole business does. So there isn't a territorial play on, no, that's mine, that's mine. Everybody really works together and they're like, hey, I'm hearing about this or I'm hearing about that or vibe's a cool word. And that's what happens and then it bubbles up and, you know, somebody takes a lead on it and we we start purchasing it, getting in, testing it. We'll test it in, you know, a dozen stores, see how it does. And if it does well, we'll roll it quickly.
0: If my kids are listening, they should know that 25 years ago, I started a magazine called Vibe with Quincy Jones and a handful of other talented people. So I've been on that trend for a minute. Uh, Okay. The odds that they listen to my work is about zero. So let me ask you further. So, uh, so you, the buyer finds this trend or potential trend, and then they plug it into a network that you've created around um, shipping. That's not entirely your network, but sort of is, I don't understand how that works for your company. And of course we all know more about um, containers and shipping and China than we did at any time since season three of The Wire.
3: Yeah, uh, look, the, the getting it into our stores is a process in and of itself, and I think um, the container shortage that every retailer experiences probably never been experienced, certainly in my retail career. Um, but the, it starts with knowing which country is the best at producing whatever particular item we're at. And and we've got people on the ground in those respective countries across the world. Um, but then you're absolutely right. I think the big bottleneck this year has been containers. And um, thankfully, most of that's behind us now and hopefully it's not coming back. But it is a really important piece. But it starts with a factory Um, We don't necessarily own a lot of factories, but we control what gets made in factories around the world. Um, Our logistics teams does an amazing job getting it to the container companies. And then it's on the water. And uh, we have, you know, thousands and thousands of containers coming overseas every year.
0: And from what I read, it sounds like you're good on the distribution center front, that you don't have that giant expense of a new distribution center looming anytime in the near future as you achieve, as you get closer to achieving your long-term goal of 2,000 stores.
3: Yeah, it's true. We, um, we really invested in the infrastructure of this company starting about six, seven years ago. And probably the single biggest expense we invested in was building out of distribution centers. So we have those now strategically placed around the country and we have enough of them built that they'll support us up to 2,500 stores um, before we have to start building again. Um, but that was a, a major initiative for us. They, they cost you know tens of millions, sometimes 100 million to build. But now we've got the infrastructure there to really quickly support um, all those containers coming in from overseas.
0: I would imagine one could continue to update that infrastructure within the uh, distribution center as um, uh, there's lots of lots of innovation in that, in that industry.
3: Yeah. I I mean, that's the other side of it. Um, The fact that we're not sitting with distribution centers that are 20, 30, 40 years old, as we built those in the last couple of years, they did have some of the latest innovations Um, without going too crazy. You know, you can overspend an innovation as well. Um, But at the same time as new innovations come along um, which really helped, you know, make productivity a lot more efficient. We continue to add that uh, innovation to the distribution center. But for the most part, they're pretty state of the art because they're only a few years old.
0: So where are you on that store count right now?
3: We just went over 1300 stores um, and we're going to open 200 stores in 2023. So we'll cross over 1500 next year.
0: Wow. Terrific growth and and uh, and the four wall cost in, in retail. Those who don't follow retail, retail the four wall cost is so important. It's essentially the cost of running the store without merchandising and corporate overhead and all those other fancy things. But uh, but essentially, just the wall of the the cost of having a store versus the 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 revenues the store produces in a year. Where are you with those numbers?
3: Well, um, what what's unique about the five below model and what's made it so successful is that. Our payback on building a store is less than a year. We run about nine, ten months now. So in less than one year's time, everything we invested in that store, we earn the cash back to to pay for that investment in just shy of a year. And that's and pay for the next one and pay for the start next start paying one. for the next one. Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's a relatively short payback, and that's what's made it so attractive to the um, stock market.
0: It's also interesting that you guys have um, skewed uh, uh, the um, use of outside capital to to a large degree that you haven't gone after, hey, we'll get 2,000 stores open next year. Give us some money.
3: Yeah, um, it's a a balancing act, right? Um, There's an old saying that growth kills growth companies. And I think too much growth um, could be detrimental. So we've strategically set up a very... um, um, strong cadence to how we, we build our stores out every year. And we've been slowly increasing because on one hand, yeah, you, you know, your return so quick, why not just build them out? But you can't forget the, um, impact that has on our people, on our infrastructure, on our systems. And so we've got to keep up with that growth, um, and not just look at it strictly from uh, an investment payback standpoint.
0: In, in my, um, brief travels travels this year, I found myself outside of California where I live and in some battleground states where the advertising looks different uh, during the election year. And there were so many ads about inflation, uh, particularly when I was in Pennsylvania, uh, Michigan, um, that uh, when Republicans trying to convince uh, uh, Demo- people that the Democrats were responsible for inflation and that, and that could, they couldn't fix it. But I, I've got to think that for stores in your category. That, that had to be good for for uh, your your proposition of, of value products. And I wonder if you have any notion of that actually being the case that 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 kind of messaging and advertising around the the fear of inflation, even if wage growth has been faster than inflation in the last month or two, that that fear of inflation has led people to your stores sure. to your doorstep.
3: Well, look, in the short term, um, it, it's a negative. And I think we and most of retail experience that in the second quarter of 2022 because that's the time if you remember the war started gas prices went gas nuts. prices yeah. surged and so the consumer only has so much in their pocket so their first line of defense is stop spending freeze and it doesn't matter whether you're valerie or, or luxury but then as they get a grasp on what's left in their pocketbook what's changed that's when the consumer tends to gravitate towards value-based retailers when it comes to buying goods and services and so you're, you're absolutely right. As we head into the holiday now, second half of 22, um, we become a need store. I need to put gifts under the tree. I need to buy something for Hanukkah. I need to put a smile on the face of my kids. And so we do expect to do well this holiday season and customers will, will come find us at, at holiday time. Um, and during a period of inflation, all the more important.
0: I don't know if I was more aware of it because we were going to talk, but I noticed as I was watching football this weekend that there were a lot of ads for, for TJ Maxx and for Nordstrom Rack and for discount retailers that I don't know that I've noticed a lot of before. Not least of which because I think that those are those are uh, retailers that don't advertise a lot. Yeah. And I and I wonder what how important if you're if you're seeing the same thing in your industry and if you're planning the same thing for your business.
3: Uh- our advertising spend is up significantly this year for holiday, and I, I did notice those same ads um, out there. and And we are are spending uh, aggressively here this this holiday period, and it is um, probably no coincidence that you're seeing it from the value based retailers as, as well.
0: Where are you advertising? What mediums are you choosing, and has that changed maybe this year or
3: in recent years? Well, the big change, I mean, it was only a few years ago that the majority of our advertising was print. And uh, we've largely... Print, what's that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it's uh, not not in our... When I, when I do my morning
0: walk, I can see where all the old people live <laughs> because like me, they get the physical newspaper in their front yard.
3: Well, the, that is not our core customer. And so um, a large majority of our emphasis now is really, as you can imagine, on social media um, in, in, uh, um, TV, it, it tends to be the Hulu's of the world and the connected TV, um, where, where teens and tweens eyeballs tend to, tend to be more, more prevalent. Or right.
0: Does that mean you're more on Snapchat and TikTok than you are on Facebook and, uh, the Des
3: Moines Register, as you mentioned, probably not a big target for you. <laughs> uh, the Des Moines Register, no, um, we do still spend a lot of time, um, with Facebook and you know, moms still carry a lot of weight. And especially at this time of year, uh, moms are are looking for ideas for their kids. So Facebook is a good channel in the holiday period for us.
0: So if you pick one, Snapchat, TikTok, or Instagram for you oh, in terms of advertising dollar?
3: Uh, well, in terms of advertising dollars, Instagram. Um, and uh, But in terms of the impact uh, TikTok by far and away is the best. And so when one of our items goes viral on TikTok, um, it, it has an immediate impact in our stores.
0: Fascinating business. Uh, I'm going to have to make a trip. In fact, I might mandate that for trips for shopping for <laughs> Christmas shopping at my house. Hey, music to my ears. Already. I won't
3: stop you from making that trip.
0: Thanks for the invite. We appreciate it. Thank you for the time. He's the CEO of Five Below. We're going to talk a little bit more about Five Below right after this, when The Drill Down Bite
1: is with us after these brief advertisements. The Drill Down is brought to you by Era. With Era, give yourself an information advantage. Connect directly to earnings calls and other investor events with live transcription and event intelligence. That's Era. A-I-E-R-A dot com. And you can listen to The Drill Down Podcast on your smart
0: speaker. Just ask your smart speaker, hey, fill in the blank smart speaker, play The Drill Down Podcast and
1: he will hear our latest show. And let us know what companies you think we should be drilling down on. Talk to us on Twitter and Instagram by following at DrillDownPod and connect with us directly at our website, bizpod.net. All right,
0: we're back with that bite, that one number that tells us a whole lot. Isaac, as I mentioned, the gross margins for this company, the four wall margin, if you will, uh, very, very strong for this company. But a lot of companies, uh, Amazon, is one that you and I have talked about recently that, that takes all that debt income that they've got and they spend it on growth and they spend it on advertising and they spend it so much they've got practically nothing left over from the retail business. Indeed, Amazon's retail business mostly operates at a loss. But these guys at Five below have a fantastic operating margin that keeps getting better. May I tell you the trailing 12 month operating margin? Please do. 7.8% operating margins oh wow very strong uh very strong uh, operating margins for this company uh showing uh, and that's and that's increased quite a bit if you go back a few years uh those numbers were um you know down in the six percent range so uh great great operating
1: margins from this business is growing very fast growing i mean they're gonna have a huge growth spurt next year with all those stores opening up yeah and 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 same
0: store sales growth has also been really good for these guys. So they are they are definitely in a sweet spot of the market right now. Hey, we enjoy the spot you've been in for the last half hour or so. Listening to the drill down. I'm Corey Johnson. Isaac Webster's is our executive producer. Ben Wilson, our editor, extraordinaire. The drill downs a production of the Business Podcast Network.